0: All right, welcome back. This is Pastor Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California. And today we continue on in our journey through the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. I know it's going to be a great study. I know I always say that, but it is a great study. As we are in God's word, as we dwell upon the worthy calling to which he has called us into and what that looks like in this life of faith. I think this is a very important uh, series or set of verses uh, that St. Paul really shows the Ephesians and even to us uh, what it means um, to bear one another's burdens or to proceed in humility. And we're going to talk about all these things and clarify maybe some of the misunderstandings that we might have uh, with this very word. So come join me. Uh, and again, if you've missed any of these uh, uh, studies, please go on our YouTube page. Faith Moore Park, and there you will find uh, all the archived uh, studies of Ephesians and all the devotions and the sermons and the catechetical helps and all these things uh, there on, on the uh, YouTube page um, as you continue to dig yourself um, into the Word even deeper. But today, we're going to continue on with Ephesians chapter 4. Come join me. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We know from you come all blessings that you give us the joy of this calling, knowing that we are worthy by the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Bless us, O Lord, in the joy of the redemption, and lead us, O Lord, in your grace. Invigorate us in your word, and lead us faithfully discerning your truth. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. We're back. I have the blueprint set out. Can we get through this? I think we will, and I will just... Zip through as we continue to dwell upon what this all means in Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. Um, And here, St. Paul, as you have your Bible out, please get that out and follow along. He begins with these words, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Alright, so I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. Same verbiage that he used in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. Now, when we talk about being a prisoner of the Lord, we know twofold how this has, uh, as we look at St. Paul, we know that he was under house arrest, due to his connection or his proclamation of Christ. That he was, uh, because of his proclamation of the gospel, um, there he was under house arrest, but also dual meaning of prisoners, that he is bound and united in Christ. And my pen is going, so I'm going to throw that away, because I'm over that one bound in Christ that means set free that means forgiven that means as a child of God that means eternal life that means citizenship in heaven My name is written in the book of life, because I shall live, you shall also live, Uh, that uh, those who believe in the truth, the truth will set them free. I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. Right? And this is the foundation to which St. Paul flows uh, through this text. Right? That as a united in Christ by the gift of baptism... there he proceeds to tell them these very words. Remember, as a prisoner for the Lord, exuding and implying the grace of God unto man in Jesus Christ. That it is Jesus who became the greatest servant of all. Right? He did not come to be served but rather to serve as a ransom for many. All right. So I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. This is a good thing, right? To be under the almighty fortress, the mighty fortress of our Lord. What does he say next with that preface? He says, um, he, what does it say exactly? I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you, urge Exhort is another word, or encourage. To, what does he encourage them to do or urge them to do? To walk in a manner worthy to which you have been called. Right? And again, when we talk about this word, and I want you to be very clear about this, it's the proper understanding of the gospel the good news of Christ, that there we are to proceed as those who are living in the now, but waiting for the not yet, as we are already covered by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Right Now, this is very important. Because the next part of urgency, of I urge you to walk, a lot of times we could take this as something that we are doing. right? It really is taking out the grace of God. It puts our merits in the forefront and what we have to do. That's why understanding this first part of the verse is very important because it really sets the tone to which we hear and read the next following words from St. Paul. That in Christ, for the Lord, he urges right, to which you have been called. This is a passive. Just like St. Paul was called on the Damascus Road, you were called by the Lord through the gospel, through the sacraments, right? And here in your identity, walk in a manner worthy to which you have been called. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, right? Right? The lamb, the lamb, the him, right? And, and here we see the worthiness, right? And it, I guess my point is this, is that we could read this text and say, okay, this is what St. Paul is telling the Ephesians, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. So I, I guess I have to do that, do that too, right? Um, like I have to uh, uh, legalistically just get it done and, and, and walk the tightrope or the eggshells and, and just be perfect. Uh, in in the calling that he has called me into. And again, as I just said right there, which you have been called, this is all grace words. Valley of the dry bones. It's only by the word. Breathing life into these bones that they were made alive. Same thing, St. Paul, dead he was, though he was raging and angry at Christians, there he was made alive from his spiritual deadness by the Lord and his word. You have been called by that very word. That's why the power of the sacraments, the power of, uh, of this word, right there we trust, knowing full well that by that very word, God does, according to Scripture, gives us what these means of grace promise. And that is forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, grafting us into his own name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, robed in Christ, connected to his death and resurrection, the the regeneration and washing of rebirth by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, (coughs) So this is all by the grace of God. Now, I say this because if our starting point, if our reference point is not the true gift of the gospel, then we will take all, this next, all these next parts of St. Paul's words very legalistically. And, and when you read texts of the Bible, I know it's, it's, we always have to guard ourselves from our own, from our own self, right? Like we have to, um, uh, we can't infuse our own thoughts in there, but rather read scripture for what it says, the scripture interprets scripture, and, and, and not our thoughts, not our culture, not our ideas, not our opinions, but rather what does this word say? And so easy in our legalistic nature, because we live in such a world that is uh, merit-based, that is measuring up and you will get there based, or earn it, earn it. Um, And if you don't earn it, you don't get it, kind of based, right? And here we see uh, St. Paul saying, because of what God has done for me, because of how you were called completely by the work of God, that is grace, passive as you receive this gift, You walk in this manner worthy to which you have been called. Worthy in Christ. Right? See that? Bound in Christ. Worthy is Christ. Prison of the Lord. There uh, he is set, covered in this identity by the blood, by the water and word of holy baptism. This is where St. Paul is headed. So he says, I urge you, right? Now, how do we hear that again? Is it a have to? Okay, I got to do this. Uh, Is it a legalistic? I have to do this. Is it a walking on eggshells? I have to do this. Is it a tightrope? I have to do this, right? And if that's the case, we really got to go back to verse verse 1 of chapter 3 or verse 1 of chapter 4. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Right? Yes, persecution was real. Right? Because of his connection to Christ, he was a prisoner. But yet, at the same time, he was bound and united in Christ by his very promise. And there he is exhorting the Ephesians in a manner that they were, they could have been very discouraged uh, by what St. Paul was uh, dealing with he was exhorting them and telling them, walk. I urge you, a sense of urgency, exhortation, to walk in a manner worthy to which you have been called. You are called in the worthiness of Christ. And because of Christ, right, because of this understanding and this faith in the gospel, completely credit to Him. You know, when someone asks, what makes you a Christian? Your answer should not be, Well, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that. Rather, you should ask yourself, what what does make me worthy? Who has called me? Or did I decide it on on my own volition? Right? And of course, it's all passive. It's all about God and His grace to you as He has called you in His name. And there... By the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. We thank the Lord to who we are right now as children of God. See, we're, we're, we're not under the rat race of the good and bad scale, as if we're trying to even out these scales in order to please God. And even further down the line, to, to to, to, to grant ourselves a peaceable conscience or to give a, give a little nugget of assurance as if these works actually bring that assurance to us, right? And uh, that is not the case, right? Walk in the manner worthy to which you have been called. You are called, right, by the word of God that created faith in you. And that word is the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, John 1. Okay, with that in mind, as we continue to read this text, verse 2, which with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. All right. So, humility and gentleness. How are we to read this? Do we tell ourselves uh I need to be more humble, or I need to show more acts of humility, or I need to be more gentle. Now, what is the basis of all this? Is it still the I, or is it to which you have been called? Again, passive, all by the grace of God. Because if it's about I, right, then you tell yourself, I just need to, be, I just need to show more humility. I just need to do this or that. I just need to do this or that. There's a disconnect that's going on there with the gospel, right? It's like, do, do you see that? How, how subtle that is too? Like We say, of course we believe in Jesus, but now I have to do this. And there is that disconnect. Now, it all connects. That's what St. Paul is saying here. It all connects because humility and gentleness is always connected To Christ. See, humility is one of great lowliness. And lowliness in terms of We very well know, just like St. Paul knows, that we could never bring enough to the table to merit our salvation. That due to sin and the fall and our depravity in our hearts and minds and our flesh, we very well know the lowliness that is at hand. That means I can't do it. You can't do it. Nothing we can do. And that is very humbling, that we are dead dead poor, miserable sinners in need to be made alive and forgiven all by the one outside of ourselves, right? Humility really crushes what? Self-righteousness. It crushes the pride that we think we are something when we are nothing, right? And humility, in that lowliness come to me all who are broken and heavy laden, rests in the work outside of ourselves in Jesus Christ. And that's what true humility is. I think when we point the finger, especially, you know, even at church, you know, sometimes there are people who are, who are um, who go under the guise, I'm just telling how it is, or, or they're whispering and pointing fingers, let's say. What's really happening there? A lot of times it's our pride saying, I'm better than them. Puffing up our own pride, puffing up our own self-righteousness. And not only uh, does it show that we are not showing our own humility, but I think even more and more importantly, it shows our disconnect uh, from from, uh, the gift of the gospel and what Christ has given to us. It shows us a disconnect of what true humility is. Because in one sense, it shows us our lowliness, But in another, we are humbled by the fact that Jesus came to this world in the lowly flesh to die for the sins of the world, right? He didn't just go to the cross and say, okay, I'm going to die now. No, he was betrayed and hated and scoffed and spat upon and scourged and whipped, right? Our Lord God took upon this lowly flesh, right? And 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 in his uh, in this loneliness of flesh, he 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 fulfilled the sacrifice to which he was called as the son of God. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is what our Lord is. And when we when we hear Saint Paul's words of humility and gentleness, we very well know what is at hand in our flesh. See, that's the plague of self-righteousness. It fails to see the mirror. It's almost a, miss, a a false image of who we think we are rather than who we truly are. Th- does that make sense? And here in humility and gentleness, it gets us back to the foot of the cross. Right? It, it strips away all that stuff. All the surface level stuff, thinking like the Pharisees, uh, think they're so righteous, they followed the holy code, and, and all these things, and yet at the end of the day, you know, Jesus, in his state of humiliation, died for the sins of the world. Right? So, to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Right? Bearing with one another in agape, in God's love. All right. So, humility, gentleness, with patience, and bearing with one another in God's love. This is the life of a Christian. This is what St. Paul is exhorting the Ephesians to do, right? But how they do it is key. And as I repeat myself over and over again, it always is through the lens of who we are by the body and blood of Jesus, the Lamb who was sent to the slaughter for us. Silent to his shearers he went. As the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. That really is humbling to all of us, knowing that we have no play in our salvation. That we aren't writing our own story of salvation, that we aren't, you know, um, touting ourselves uh, to, to merit our way to salvation, but rather it was done for us by the one who, 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 who wrote and who fulfilled and, and, and who, who gave us uh, uh, salvation by writing in the book of life, by his very blood, this sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. Right? That is That is the in Christ that I'm talking about. In Christ, we proceed. In Christ, to which we were called. In Christ, he was a prisoner, yet he was set free. Right? In Christ, we walk in a manner worthy in Christ to which you have been called. And again, this is the view to which we proceed in all humility and gentleness. Trust me, it's easy to point the finger. I am, you know, I am... Definitely, as a human being, uh, guilty of that. But here we realize how, how we do fall short. Yet, in that humility, in that lowliness, as the law is written on our heart, we rest in the lowliness of Christ who suffered on the cross for us. And this is what it means to proceed in humility and gentleness. It's Christ. It's to proceed in humility christ no detachment no jesus is that now i do this no it's in christ we proceed the baptismal life right so the result of this flow is what through the gospel as a child of god the joy of the lord within us we proceed in humility and gentleness bearing with one another god's love but also have patience with with one another these are all attributes of god right we see in Exodus 34, 6, right? He is uh, slow to anger, steadfast, and abounding in steadfast love. Sorry, I got that, met, uh, that verse wrong. But uh, we show that the Lord is patient, that He is kind, that He does bear one another's burdens, ultimately in, in the death upon the cross and His resurrection, right? Um, yeah, it just reminds me of uh, the foot washing, right? Um, uh, as we always uh, t- uh, speak of this on Monday Thursday. Uh, and he is teaching the disciples what to do. And, and a lot of times it's, it's about loving and serving one another in the name of Christ. See, this is not to measure up. Our Lord has already measured up for us by his death and resurrection. Right? And, and, and through the fruits of the Spirit, through the fruits of God's Word, there we proceed in Christ. Right? It's one thing to say, okay, i got to go home as a father, right, and take care of my kids because I have to do that. It's another thing to say, God provided me all things, including my family, my house and home, my wife and children, and all I have. Um, and he still continues to take care of them. And, and there I see these children and, of course, my spouse, there to, to love and serve in Christ. That is, in humility and gentleness. In Christ. right? The lens of in Christ, this lens of faith bearing one another's burdens in Christ, having patience in Christ, right? So the, so the point is here, as I've been repeating myself, and I repeat myself uh, because I know it can get away from us, whether it's our legalism that takes charge or our own self-righteousness that takes charge. Whatever takes charge, we get back to what true humility and gentleness is. It's the passive, it's the grace of God, as we see in St. Paul, and this is how he urges them, bound and united in Christ, to proceed. All right. So, uh, as we continue on, um, yes, bear with one another in love. Right? It all begins in the love of Christ. We, we don't know how to truly love when we don't start with the love of Christ. Right? Because the love of Christ is unconditional. The love of Christ is forgiving. The love of Christ is sacrificial. and it stays there. We stay there in this life of faith. OK. Uh, so, number uh, verse three right here, So, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. right? eager. What a joy this is to maintain. Now, what does maintain imply? It means that it was not made by them, but rather it was given to them by the grace of God. And they are to maintain and keep this unity by what? By the one spirit, by the bond of peace Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, peace I give to you, not as the world do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, do not be afraid. Uh, John 14, John 20. And there in one spirit, the spirit to which they were called, there they are to be united in, in the grace of God. Keeping what has been given to them. Right? And this again is the fruit This this is, again, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruits of the cross, and the fruit of the gospel, as we continue to rejoice uh, in in the life that he has given to us, um, that we are forgiven, that we are redeemed. This is who we are in our identity as children of God. So, yes, maintain that unity how? Not because, you know, as I always, you know, that's why I think, you know, when we talk about the Lutheran Church, especially um, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, um, we, we are a very teaching-centered church. But why do we teach? Because we know that the Word brings unity. When, when we are not on the same page with the Word, we very well know that that unity is broken. The Spirit, the bond of peace. We are unified by this very truth of God's word. And unity is not just because we like the same sports or the, the same sports or the same hobbies or the same sports teams or we like knitting or sewing or, or playing with uh, Play-Doh for the kids or, or, or watching baseball. No, or because we're friends or we're a social network. No, we're, we're unified by the bond of Christ, by the Holy Spirit who has called us in the true faith by this very word. And that's why at the end of the day, no matter what happens, the unity of the church is always the word of God. And we need to know that word by studying it. So thank you for being here as we study the word of God. Anyways, so maintaining that unity, one spirit, bond of peace. And there, as we proceed uh, here, right here, uh, there is uh, one body and one spirit, just as you were called again, Passive to the one hope that belongs to your call. It's all rooted in that one hope, all this. And that hope, again, as he says, to, to the way to which you were called, right here, and that one hope ultimately is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That everything is contingent upon the one true God, the faith that is of God and the baptism that is given by God. This is unity. So, when we talk about one Lord, and I, and I want to emphasize this before we close here, is that when we talk about one faith, one Lord, one baptism, there we must always go back to who our Lord is. Who is God? And at the end of the day, we always go back to the Apostles Creed. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, redemption, uh, creation, redemption, sanctification. And this is to which our hope rests upon. This is how we see this whole text in a sense of we need to know who our one Lord is. If we think we have a transactional God, then all this becomes a transaction, if we think we have a, I made my decision for God, or I commit my life to God, or I, I made the decision to be, uh, to be baptized, or I did this, or I did that, soon enough, this will also change, right? Now, when we understand the one Lord, we very well know that this is what He has done. He has called us by His grace in Christ Jesus. He has called us in the gift of our holy baptism, Right, He has called us by name, all by this passive receiving. Passive, very important. That in Christ, because we need to be made alive, He comes into this world to die for our sins, just like Lazarus. He rises, and we too rise in the newness of life. And there we proceed in His humility and gentleness, as we love and serve neighbor, always in Christ, remember that, so that in one spirit, bond of peace, we rest in the one hope, and that is our Lord. Completely in His work, right? The one who creates, the one who redeems and purchases our sin, the one who dies and rises, the one who makes us holy and keeps us in the true faith, enlightening by uh, with His gifts and, and gives us uh, uh, this one hope. See, so here He is telling the Ephesians to walk in a manner worthy to which you have been called. Because it's all about how you were called, isn't it? How St. Paul was called on the Damascus Road, as even as he is under arrest, he is still called, and, and there he is called to be a child of God. There he is called to be a proclaimer of the gospel. And likewise for the Ephesians, they are called by the Lord, by his grace. And there they proceed in humility and gentleness in Christ, bearing one another's burdens Loving one another and being patient one another in Christ, meaning maintaining unity in the one gift that was given to them in the gospel in Christ, all because of the one hope from the big umbrella of the one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This is the Lord's doing, don't you see? We are united together and the gift to which he has given to us in our holy baptism, we're united in the faith that is Christ, that is of the gospel, right? That all this flows from the one Lord who gives us all things. See, there's nothing about you here, right? This is all about Jesus. So what makes you a Christian? Subject to the verb Jesus, right? Jesus did this. Jesus dies for me. Jesus rose for me. Jesus gives me life. Jesus saves me from sin and death and the power of the devil. See, it's such a joy to live this Christian life knowing that it already has been paid for and it already has been measured up that the merits have been given by the blood of the Lamb. And there in Christ we proceed. Not detached from his very word. Not, okay, now you go do it yourself. No. In Christ, robed with Christ, in one baptism, we proceed as we walk in faith in his word, worthy to which you have been called. Um... Yes, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. All right, so um, I think there we have it today. Hopefully that was helpful to you. <laughs> and uh, I always wonder how these are going to turn out because the board looks much fuller now, but hopefully you can glean something from this and, and apply it to your life and uh, really use it in the sake of how we proceed in Acts 17, 28, 28, that we live, move, and have our being in Christ Jesus. And this is what it looks like, right? So remember, which you have been called. And that's what I'll end with. You are the receiver in those very words. That the call is made by the one who actually calls you. Right? That's a so redundant. But it's true. We, we, we don't holler to the caller and say, come on, call me. No, it's it's the sole action of the one who calls us that we receive and hear and 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 and, and as our Lord creates faith in us. This is this is all the Lord's work. So when it comes to all that St. Paul exhorts them to do. This is all the fruits of the faith. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.